0: The scripture lesson today is taken from Luke 15, verses 1 to 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents.
1: Good morning, Judge. Um, I want to thank you for the opportunity giving me to stand before you this morning to share um, a few thoughts from the scriptures. I will very well know that um, in the past um, months, I can't tell you how many months now we've been running uh, um, the parables. I think Jay has been keeping record of that. Um, We have been dwelling on the parables of Jesus. And this morning... um, We shall continue on the parable of the lost coin and uh, the lost sheep. But this time around, I decided to coin it um, in a question format. What is God's attitude towards the lost? Um, I want to believe that before the end of this um, class, we should be able to provide an answer to that question. In the... Reading that we just heard now um, by Bob, we um, heard of the lost coin and uh, the sheep. And we saw Jesus painted a picture of a sheep and a shepherd. Uh, To many Jews in the past, the sheep was a chief source of livelihood. It was a chief source of wealth. Um, It was something that they had very high value for. Um, the sheep provided um, food for them to eat, um, it provided milk for them to drink, um, uh, it provided wool for them to make their clothings, and it provided uh, flesh to offer sacrifices. By nature, sheep are wayward and defenseless, hence it was necessary to have a constant supervision. That is why you always see um, the shepherd um, taking the sheep around. In the scripture, both in the Old and New Testament, the relationship between the shepherd and uh, the sheep has always been likened to that of God and his children. In one of the most read Bible passages in uh, the world, one of the most, I stand to be corrected, though, one of the most. The book of Psalms, chapter 23, verse 1. It reads, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. As I said earlier on, um, uh, the shepherd went out searching through the hills for one stray lamb. Let us remember what Jesus Christ himself is. The supremely good shepherd who is willing to die for his sheep. In the book of John, chapter 10, verse 11, we're told, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Can we imagine the danger that shepherds expose themselves to when they um, take out their sheep for grazing in the, in the middle of the forest? Can we just remember what happened to David? They are prone to attacks from wild animals. The Bible recorded it that David killed a lion with his hands. The lion was coming to have some fun, feed himself or herself with one of the sheep, but David was there to protect the sheep. And that is the role Jesus Christ is playing in our lives as shepherd. The second picture painted is that of a woman who lost a coin. The coin as specified by Luke was an equivalent of the Roman diner In today's um, money equivalent, it comes to about 20 cents, but can you imagine that even losing 20 cents, the woman went the extent to which she went in search of it. I can bet it, if any of us loses 20 cents today, he probably said, that is not a big deal. It's not the end of the world. I'm going to move on. I'm not going to waste my time looking for 20 cents. But the scripture records it, that the woman lit the lamp immediately and went in search of the money, sweeping. And I want... I want you guys to understand something about what it was like in those days. The kind of houses that they lived in. They were houses, small houses, with only the door. There were no windows. So whether it was in the day or in the night, it was always dark in the the house. To make things more difficult... They didn't have the pleasure of hardwood floors like we have today. They didn't have the pleasures of um, uh, what I call, of what we call, German concrete in the part of the world where I was born. I mean, um, German concrete means cemented floors, which makes it easier for you to spot something when it falls on the floor. They had etch as their floor, and so can you imagine you dropping something? On edge, and you have to look at it. It's not going to be very visible. But this woman did not let go, but she persisted in the search of the coin. The coin was of priceless value to the woman, and this was evident from her search, her diligent search. On missing the coin, she at once lit her lamp, her little oil lamp and began to sweep. So what are some of the lessons that we can learn from this parable that has been read to us? Time and time again, we have been told that parables are earthly stories with heavenly meanings. In this particular parable, what lesson is Jesus trying to teach us? Jesus is trying to tell us in this parable that men are lost. Jesus often spoke of men as being lost. It was not that he counted them as moral wretches or outlaws in headstrong rebellion against their Maker. It was simply that men were misguided, men were disillusioned, and needed to be set back on the right course. Let us not forget the comparison we made earlier on between the shepherd and the sheep, and God, or Jesus Christ, are man. Jesus Christ is a shepherd, is a shepherd just to, is a shepherd, plays the role of a shepherd to a sheep, we being the sheep as men. And so at all times, we need guidance. And we ask by which, ways by which men can become lost. Sometimes a man can become lost like the sheep. A sheep, by nature, is senseless and is a careless animal. It it has an app to go into openings, it strays away into the hills, and it does not know its way back home. But listen to this, and very important. It does not even know that it is lost. It sees an opening, an opening, he strays into it, it keeps going, he cannot find his way back home, and he doesn't even realize that he is lost. Many people are like this. They do not revolt against God. They do not fight the church. They they edge away from him step by step. And what do we mean by this? They put aside their Bibles. What does the Bible mean to us as as Christians? What does food mean to a growing child? Have you ever seen a growing child who has been deprived of food? And is growing very well? I have not seen if there's anyone who has seen, I'd like to know. In the same way, the Bible is the source of our spiritual food. There is no way a child of God can keep his Bible away from him, and that child of God is expected to grow. They close their prayer closet. Oh, I'm so busy. I have to catch up with this. I have to catch up with that. Oh, I forgot to pray this morning. Okay, let me quickly do a short prayer in the vehicle as I'm going. You know, how can you close communication with God? We've been told that the way by which man communicates with God is by prayers. What would a home look like? If there is no communication in the home, I guess that's why there is this word in the vocabulary, communication gap. Only this morning my daughter was giving me a heck of a time, a very difficult time. For whatever reason, she didn't want me to give her a batch. Instead, she wanted her mom who's been at work all night to come back and give her a bath this morning. And I told myself, you know what, this is not a battle I'm going to pick. I took my phone and put it on speakerphone, dialed the mom, speak to your daughter. So, family, what's going on? I want you to give me a bad Okay, let daddy give you a bath. We'll talk about that when I get home. Bam, the deal was done. I mean, if there was no communication between us, how could I have easily solved that problem? I mean, if there's no communication in the home, how can you solve problems? If we choose not to communicate with our God, how can we solve problems? How can God, it says, ask and it shall be given. Knock and it shall be opened. Seek and you shall find. How can we be given? How can the door be open? How can we find? If we begin to close the door of communication with God. And they stop attending churches. Remember, they have never fought against God, they have never revolted against the church, but gradually they edge away. And unfortunately, like I said earlier on, like the sheep does not know that it is lost. Man in this circumstance does not even know that he is lost. That's why the writer of the book of Hebrews says in the book of Hebrews 10:25 Not giving up meeting together as some of us are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another and all the more as we see the day approaching. Folks, being together in this manner is enough encouragement. When we hear when we are fed spiritually from the pulpit, it's an additional one. I mean, at one point in time or the other, certain, mes- certain messages that come from the pulpit they touch our hearts, and they give us room to re-examine ourselves. I mean, if you are not here, how can you ever get such messages? They slip away with the tide of the world, and become spiritually numb if I want us to understand what that term means spiritually numb when you are physically numb a lot of women who have gone through the process of delivery and some of our women are looking forward to that process pretty soon for the first time second, third or fourth time there are medications that are called anesthesia that kills your sense of feeling, that are given to you. And the medical practitioner wants to know if it is working or not. Okay, let me make, give a general a broader, a broader example. I mean, a lot, probably all of us have gone into seeing a dentist before. And if they have to work on see, any, any part of your teeth, they have to push in some liquid to kill the cells there before they start what to, do, to do whatever they want to do. And all of a sudden, you feel the whole of your mouth is so swollen and big, and you can't, it's never going to go back. It's still the same size. But by the time they are doing what they are doing, you don't feel any pain. That is what numbness means. This time around, when you are spiritually numb, it means you don't have any sense of feeling for the word of God because of the extent at which one has drifted away. And that's why again the Hebrew writers warn in Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1, Therefore we must pay close attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from them. These are very serious issues. We cannot trivialize whatever we hear and, uh, and just take them as one of those things. Like the berrians did. The berrians were more noble. Why? Because they went home to see if what those the things that they learned, if they were true. Like the headless sheep, many men drift away from Christ. Sometimes the man is lost like the coin that was lost. How can a man be lost like the coin? The coin did not get lost through his own fault, but because of the fault of someone else. The woman carelessly left the coin, let the coin slip through her fingers. But there is a difference between coin and people. Why the coin was in no sense responsible for being lost. With man, there's always the responsibility of choice. God has made us creatures of choice. We have found ourselves in the perfect law of liberty. And that is why to become a Christian requires that you have reached a stage on an age of accountability where you can understand what it means to accept Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior. So man has a responsibility of choice. So the coin was lost in a sense man can never be lost. However, it is true that many lives end in a shipwreck not primarily because of their own mistakes, but because of the mistakes of others. I want to make a reference to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 to 13, and I want us to listen very carefully. And it reads, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. The way you exercise your right as a Christian, this part of the scripture is telling us to be careful so that we do not do it in a way that becomes a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idol's? So this weak brother or sister, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, and wound their weak weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to sin, I will never eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. King James Version puts it in this version. In this way, if eating meat will make my brother sin, I will choose not to eat meat. So there are certain things that we do, not necessarily because they are wrong, but because of the circumstances we find ourselves in when doing them, which a weak soul might not have the maturity to comprehend what is going on but go with the tide and fall, even though the weak soul has a responsibility to his own soul. But as matured souls, we have to be cautious of what we do and the kind of examples we set. And that is why in the earlier part of that scriptures, it cautions that in exercising our freedom, let us be careful in doing that. In God's attitude towards the lost, the main emphasis of this parable is not simply that men are lost. An even more important lesson is brought to light in God's attitude towards lost men. God's attitude towards those in sin is the same attitude Jesus had. Jesus received sinners. And this was the very thing the Jews could not understand. They believed that God was merciful to the righteous. But they were quite sure he had nothing to do with sinners. That was the belief of the Jews. The great lessons of this parable is that God desires more than anything else that sinners come to him. And how can we tell? Going back to our text, the parable. One, we look at the search. God's attitude towards the lost is seen in the diligent search of the shepherd and the woman. It is one thing to accept sinners. It is another thing to go look for them. A woman drops a coin. She leads a lamb and sweeps the house. She will not rest until she finds it. This is the nature of God in the search of men. The shepherd loses one sheep from his flock. He leaves the 99 sheep that are safe and goes out looking for the one that is lost. That is the attitude of God towards lost soul. God goes out in search for lost soul. God is like the shepherd. He wants men, and when one is lost, he goes out and finds it. He does not drive it back or hire someone to carry it. But like the shepherd, he puts it on his own shoulders and brings it home. However mean man may be, God still wants man. another attitude of God towards the lost is the joy that comes with the search the joy that accompanied the search the findings by the woman of the lost coin and the shepherd in terms of the sheep God's attitude towards the lost is seen in his joy it is basic point in this parable That the shepherd and the sheep and the woman were filled with uncontrollable joy when they gained again what they had lost. Jesus said, There is joy in heaven before the angels of God when one sinner repents. God is kind, He is more understanding than men. He does not dismiss tax collectors. Tax collectors were known to be among the worst sinners. In those days, but God never dismissed them. As we very well know, Jesus had a supper in the house of a tax collector. And that was very amusing to the Jews. He is happy when one wanderer returns home. In the book of Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it states that God is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. In the part, if we look at the prodigal son, some of us, are, or a lot of us, or all of us are used to the parable of the prodigal son. When the son realized himself that he was wasting away in a foreign land, he said to himself, I will rise and go to my father. I will say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against thee. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired servants. He had those thoughts within himself. He had exactly put together exactly what he was going to tell his father, having known what has happened in the past. He did not only put those thoughts together. He accompanied those thoughts with action. He rose and went in search back home. On approaching home, the father saw him. He was overjoyed and ran to him, kissed him, hugged him, asked for a beautiful robe to be put on him because he was in tatters, in rags. I mean, this is the son of a billionaire, in rags. Oh, no, no, you've had your share of my wealth, that's it. You deal with it, whatever whatever it is, you have spent the money on, that's your business. No. He ordered for a robe for him, ordered for a feast. He did not even allow his son to say to him what he had planned to say to him. That is the kind of attitude, the joy in heaven when a repentant soul walks his way back to Christ. Overwhelmed by his unworthiness, he only wanted to be treated like a day liberal. He regarded his sins too grievous as they were. We too, when we stray away from God, our Father is ever waiting for us whenever we are willing to back our words of repentance with action. God misses everyone. The parable teaches that God misses even the lost. And this is true because God is a father and a father cannot rest until all his children are safe and secured. It is not a common thing in this part of the world for a man and woman to have 20 children you probably have 2, three, four, five, 6, if you want to stretch it, but not 20. But assuming you have it, it's a common thing in some part of the world. A father, go approach a father who's got 20 kids, 20 kids, and tell him you are going to snatch one away from him and wait for his response. I don't think he will tell you. Oh, I've got twenty. Oh, you can go with one. It's okay. That's fine. I've got nineteen left. No, he's not going to do that. If he ever does that, I guess probably taking for some psychiatric evaluation. So God never rests, like we read in the book of Second Peter. He is not slow, as some understand slowness but he's patient wanting everyone to repent. There is much hope if one's repentance is as genuine as his fall. What a delightful sight when a lost child returns to his father's heart and his father's home. If you are a visitor this morning and you are yet to accept Christ by way of Water baptism. An opportunity has presented itself today for you to do so. Because the scripture tells us today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow might be too late. You never can tell when Jesus Christ will be coming back. Yes, I know. This has been a common saying for over 2,000 years. He'll be coming back soon. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow night. It could be next week. It could be next year. It could even be a hundred years from now. But you know what the book of Second Peter tells us? The Lord's coming shall be like a thief in the night. How many thieves announce to their victims, I am coming to rob your home today. Or tonight? How many people have had experience of burglars getting into their homes? You don't need to raise up your hands. How many got notice in advance? I have had that experience. I didn't get any notice. Folks, trust me. There will be no notice. He's going to come when he will come. And when he will come, is not your call, it's not my call. Our call is to remain faithful. Till the day we die or till when he comes, for our life. And for those of us who are Christians, it's another opportunity for us to reevaluate ourselves. And keep ourselves in tune with what God expects of us. There's this hymn in our, there's song in our hymn book, Oh, do not let the world depart. Oh, why not tonight? And it reads, Oh, do not let the world depart. Or close the eyes against the light. Poor sinners, had it not the heart? Be saved, oh, tonight. And it reads, Tomorrow's sun may never rise. Our Lord, in pity, lingers on. Our merciful God accepts all. This morning, the song leader has chosen a song. Jesus is calling. Jesus is waiting. Jesus is knocking. And Jesus is looking. I hope we answer the call of Jesus as we call on the song leader to lead in the closing song. Thank you.